Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Our teaching pastor, Graham Golding, joins us this morning to deliver an inspiring message. Be sure to have your copy of God's Word ready as we will be reading from Judges chapter 6. Now, let's hear from Pastor Graham. All right, gentlemen, I tell you, I'm excited about being here this morning. I, I sat down uh, a few days ago to prepare a message, and I, I, in my mind I had... Uh, I felt like the Lord was asking me to share Judges chapter 6. I started preparing and, uh, and then yesterday, uh, while I was continuing to prepare, I realized that I had about an hour and a half worth of notes. So then I had to scramble hard uh, to narrow it down. So I hope you got your, uh, your Bibles there. We're in Judges chapter 6 and um, excited to share this word with you. I'm going to go straight there. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1 should be on the screen. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, the first thing we see here in Judges 6 is that the Israelites were disobedient. They weren't following the law. Now, in the book of Judges, we'll see a cycle and it continues to repeat itself over and over again. And the cycle starts with the Israelites. They fall into sin. Okay, they start worshiping other gods. They find other things to take the place of their relationship with the Lord. The next thing the Israelites do is they're attacked by the enemies. Okay. Now, remember, when the Israelites came to the promised land, remember when Joshua led them into the promised land, God told them to destroy the enemy. Okay, destroy the enemy. But the Israelites, they didn't obey God and they allowed some of the enemy to stay around. And the enemy is now getting bigger and stronger. So next, the Israelites, they're attacked by the enemy. So the Israelites, what do they do? They cry out to the Lord for help. Okay, so they're being oppressed by the, the, the enemy and now they're saying, Lord, help us, right? They're crying out because now their lives have become unmanageable, right? So they're crying out to the Lord for help. Then the next thing in the cycle that we see in Judges is God raises up a judge and Israel is delivered. Now, in the book of Judges, there are 12 judges of Israel identified. Now, these judges, they're not officers of the court. They're military leaders that God has raised up to free the Israelites. Okay, and after God raised up the judges, the last thing in the cycle we see is that the Israelites... Oh, they returned to serving the Lord. Okay, and we see this pattern repeating over and over again in the book of Judges. Now, the Midianites are the enemy. And we're we're told in chapter six that the Amalekites have joined them. Now, these people are brutal. They attacked the Israelites when their crops were full and they took everything that they could find, get their hands on, livestock, donkeys, crops. And then they destroyed everything by burning it down. Now, this is an illustration of what Satan comes to do in our lives, right? If we leave any segment of sin in our lives, it's only a matter of time before it grows, takes over, and will destroy us. Satan will seek to destroy any fruit in our life, right? And we have a choice. Here's our choice. We have the choice to eliminate sin, right? Or it, sin, will destroy us. Now, here's what the Israelites did. 
They wanted a relationship with God. And I realized that there's a video here and I'm standing back here. No one can see me, but that's okay. The, The Israelites wanted a relationship with God. But they were also willing to engage in just a a little bit of pagan worship, okay? Now, here's the truth about us, gentlemen, because we're no different, right? I know I'm no different. We, We want a relationship with God. We desire to have that relationship with God. But sometimes we hold on to just a just a few areas of sin in our lives. You see, some of us, I include myself, I'm not talking to you, we're talking to us. Some of us see sin as a sugary drink, okay? We know it's not good for us, but we rationalize that just a little bit of the sugary drink is okay. We know that too many sugary drinks over a long period of time, they're not good for our health. And uncontrolled amounts of sugar, right, can lead to being overweight, diabetes, and even death. Now, there are other people that see sin as poison, something to be completely avoided at all times. So let me ask us the question, how do we view sin? Is it a sugary drink or do we see it as poison? You see, now the Israelites are attacked The enemy's attacking them. And yet again, what do they do? Well, in verse 2, we read that they flee, right? They flee. They go and hide in caves. And eventually, the pain, the pain gets so deep for the Israelites that in verse 6, we read that Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. You know, there's a saying in recovery that says something like this. It's only when the acid of our pain is deep enough to eat away at the wall of our denial that we're willing to admit we need help, right? And isn't that true for many of us? It's only when the pain gets bad enough, right, that we say, hey, we need help. The pain is deep and the Israelites, once again, they cry out for help because of what? Watch this. They think it's because of what the Midianites are doing, right? Now, here's what's ironic is because the Israelites, they failed to see that the sin in their own lives. You see, they're blaming the Midianites. They're saying our problem is not me, it's them, right? And the Lord is going to show the Israelites that their problem is really disobedience. Verse 7. It says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, verse 8, he sent them a prophet. And what did the prophet say to them? Verse 10, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You see, the Israelites, they didn't obey the Lord. Now, an unnamed prophet reminds them what God has done in the past, that God has been faithful to them, watch this, over and over and over and again, and yet, the unnamed prophet says, and yet you haven't listened to the Lord. And there's no indication as as we're reading that the Israelites repented of their sin. Verse 11, The angel of the Lord came. Now, there's an unnamed prophet. Now, in verse 11, it says an angel of the Lord. Now, 
We could spend a lot of time here, but this is the, the angel of the Lord is actually the Lord Jesus himself. We'll come to that in a minute. But I want, what I want you to see when you see this verse is God's mercy. It's because the Israelites have gone their own independent way. They're under attack. An unnamed prophet's come, and now God sends the angel of the Lord. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want the Israelites to stay where they are, right? He's providing for them. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abzrite. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's good enough for six o'clock in the morning, where his son Gideon was stressing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Now, this is what's called a Christophany. It's an actual physical appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we know that? How do we know that this is the Lord and not just another angel? Well, if you go down to verse 14, it says, the Lord turned, right? Go down a couple of more verses. Verse 16, it says, the Lord answered. And you might say, well, well Jesus wasn't born now, right? This is the Old Testament. It is true that Jesus came in flesh, right? But before he physically was born, Jesus always existed, right? He's eternal. So throughout the Old Testament, we see physical appearances from the Lord Jesus himself. Now, God is going to raise up a man. Are you ready? This is, our, this is the guy that we've been waiting for, and his name is Gideon, who was, with God's help, would lead the Israelites. Are you ready? He's going to point them back to the Lord, right? This is, again, God's mercy. God's mercy is that the Israelites, they are not going to get what they deserved. Remember, they've been disobedient. What they deserved was destruction, but God in his mercy doesn't want them to stay there. The Israelites have allowed other gods to come into their life. Now, let me ask you, how many times has God been merciful to us, right, over and over and over again? Right? I know I can testify to God's mercy in my life. And God is merciful to the Israelites in providing them a judge in Gideon. So the Lord comes to Gideon, and what's he doing? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, here's what's unusual about that, because normally you would thresh wheat up on the hilltop on a threshing floor, right? It was up high where the winds would blow. You would throw the wheat up in the air and the chaff would blow away and the wheat would fall to the ground. And you would press wine down in the valleys, right? Down low. And you would press the wine there. But Gideon, we read here, is threshing the wheat, watch, down in the valleys, in the wine press. Now, why is he doing that? He's hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's hiding from the enemy. You might be able to hide from the Midianites, but we can't hide from the Lord, can we? Amen? We can't hide from him. And then the Lord says to Gideon in verse 12, this is a classic, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now Gideon's like, <laughs> are you talking to me? Like, he's Gideon, he's hiding, right? 
He's hiding. And the Lord says to him, mighty warrior. Okay, it doesn't make any sense. A warrior is someone who is brave. Now, remember, Gideon's not looking to be a judge, right? I mean, he's scared. And he gives God every reason why God shouldn't consider him. Now, here's the truth. We're no different, right? We'll say, I'm too busy. Uh, I'm too old. I don't have enough time. But listen, when God looks at us, he sees what we can become. Now, aren't you glad about that? That he looks at us and he sees what we can become. You see, God sees his purposes being fulfilled through us, even when we can't. And Gideon is going to wrestle with this idea. He's going to ask God, how could you use me? And that's exactly who God chooses to use. Why? Well, because when we're weak, he is strong. You see, God is looking for those he can use where he gets the glory. He's not going to use someone that says, hey, hey, look at me. Look how good I am. He's looking for someone who's going to point people to the Lord. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why, why has all this happened to us? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. So the Lord comes to Gideon and Gideon asks the Lord, are you sure that God is really with us? Because it doesn't, doesn't look like he is. You see, in a sense, he's saying, if God is good, then why are bad things happening to us now, right? You see, Gideon thinks that the Lord has abandoned him, right? And them and the Israelites. Gideon believes the reason they're experiencing all of this opposition, right, is because God doesn't care about them. But nothing could be further from the truth. Even though Gideon's understanding of God is not true, the Lord, watch this, the Lord is going to still use Gideon. Even though his, his understanding of God is wrong, God still is going to powerfully use Gideon. Aren't you thankful for that? Right? Because he'll use us even when we get it all messed up. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength you have, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's the second question that Gideon asks. He says, Lord, how can you use me? How can you use me? Have you ever asked that question? I know I've asked it a million times. Gideon says, I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest among the clans. I am the, the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord answered him. Watch what the Lord says. This is this Christophany. The Lord appeared to him in person. He says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. The Lord says to Gideon, and listen, gentlemen, he says the same thing to us. Whatever we're going through, I'm going to be with you. Amen. Now, the Lord was going to use Gideon to defeat the enemy. But before he does that, before he does that, he says, 
I need you, Gideon, to get your own house in order. Verse 25, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Now it's been there seven years, okay? This is how long the Israelites have turned their back on the Lord. Tear down your father's altar at Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, Baal was a false god of the Canaanites. Do you see what's happening here? You see, the Israelites had allowed, watch this, they had allowed the things of this world to take root in their lives, and they're not honoring the Lord. Now, do you remember when Gideon asked the Lord, why do bad things happen? Why are you allowing this suffering? The Lord is going to show Gideon, you ready? It's your disobedience. Remember, he's blaming the Amalekites. It's actually the disobedience of Gideon's father, which we're going to discover. And God is going to call Gideon to go and destroy those false gods and burn them down. God says, listen, he says, gentlemen, I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing in your life. But first, you have to go home and remove those things that are keeping you from experiencing my best. Question, is there anything the Lord wants us to remove in our lives in order for us to experience his best? Verse 27, so Gideon took 10 of his servants as, and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than the daytime. So Gideon, we read, does what the Lord asked him to do, but he still has fear. He does it in the night so no one will see him. But here's the point we've got to take away is that Gideon was obedient. He did what the Lord asked him to do. The next morning, the Israelites, verse 29, asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told that Gideon, son of Joash, did it. And the people of the, de the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die. Now, <laughs> this tells you something of the spiritual maturity of these men, right? Think about it. Instead of them saying, yeah, we probably shouldn't have had those idols in our backyard, right? They're wanting to destroy Gideon. They want to kill him. Now, Gideon is courageous enough to say to all the townsmen, gentlemen, what's going on in dad's backyard is sinful and it's got to go. We've got to get rid of it. We're removing, listen, we're going to remove the possibility of being distracted. And they're like, what, what have you done with our idols? What are we going to do? You see, when we make a stand, and I'm going to use the word again, when we eliminate the possibility of Satan continuing to have a hold on us, we're going to come up against opposition. Verse 34, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Oh, I love this verse. Because the spirit of the Lord didn't come on Gideon until he got rid of those idols in his life. And if we want God's power in our life, God's spirit in our lives, we're going to have to get rid of those things, listen, that aren't pleasing to God. 
And then Gideon rallies the troops and he's ready to head into battle now. And we get to verse 36 and Gideon asks his third question. And he says, Lord, are you really going to lead us into victory? Do you really want to use me to lead the Israelites against the enemy? You see, he's trying to determine if this is really God's will for his life. And then he takes some wool. You've read the story. Lord, if this is you, make the wool dry and the ground wet and I will know that it's you. And it was. And then Gideon says, well, I need some more assurance from you, Lord. So this time I want you, I want the the, the wool needs to be dry and the ground needs to be wet. And the scripture said, and it was. So now Gideon has confirmation He has confirmation that the Lord is with him and wants him to to go ahead and lead the Israelites. So we get to chapter 7 and Gideon gathers the tribes, but God is going to determine first who he can use. Now remember, Gideon, oh, he's been assured of victory, but he doesn't know yet how God is going to accomplish this task. So we're told that Gideon starts with 32,000 men And God says to Gideon, you got too many men. There's too many. Now, the Midianites, they're numbered, listen, 135,000, right? So Gideon's asking, "Uh, God, what are you thinking? So you see, what God is asking Gideon to do at this moment, listen, gentlemen, it's going to require faith, right? It's going to require total dependence on the Lord, 32,000 against 135. It doesn't make, it doesn't add up. Now the Lord was concerned with these 32,000 men. He was concerned that they might be tempted to take credit for the victory. And here's the first thing we're going to have to do to confront the enemy. If we want to see victory over a major enemy, we have to have, we have to have victory over pride. If we want to see victory over a major enemy, the first thing we've got to deal with, gentlemen, is pride. We we will remain defeated if we think that we can handle the enemy by ourselves. We can't defeat the enemy alone, right? We need God and we need others. So the Lord wants to reduce the size of the army down, but he does this. He's doing this to reveal the true condition of the hearts of the men, right? The Lord says, if anyone is afraid, they should go home. Now, this wasn't a new idea because God had instituted this idea back in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verses 2 to 4. When the Israelites went into battle, what happened? The priests would get up before them all and would say something like this. Do not be afraid, right? God is with us and he will give us victory. But if you keep reading in Deuteronomy into verse 8, it says that if any man was fearful, he was told to go back home. So Gideon starts with 32,000 men. Now watch this. 22,000 head home like they leave, they abandon their brothers because they're afraid. That means that Gideon is now down to 10,000 men. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, 
there are still too many men. Now the Lord is going to narrow it down even more. Verse 5, so Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue as tongues as a dog laps those who kneel down to drink drink to... Let me read that again. Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink knees to drink. Those who drank the water on their knees, think about it, they're, they're sitting ducks. What they did is they had their heads in the water. They're kneeling down and they're drinking the water with their heads in the water. They weren't prepared for an attack from the enemy. However... Those that gathered the water with their hands, they're sitting there, they're gathering the water with their hands. They're able to look up. They're able to see if the enemy is coming. Listen, there are many things that we are given to enjoy. They were given water that was actually a good thing. But for those that buried their heads in the water that took their eye off the main thing, the enemy, they weren't going to be prepared for the battle. And if we're not careful, gentlemen, and I include myself, we can do the same thing. For example, work is a good thing. But if we let work consume our lives and we fail to see God's greater purpose for our life, our lives will be in danger. The same could be said about hobbies or whatever it is, going on vacations, they're good things. But if we bury our heads in the water and we take our eyes off the Lord, they can become, they can consume us. Those things can distract us. The list could go on. We could add those things that God gives us that are good, but if we take our eyes off what God's called us to do, they'll become distractions. Now, there are only... There are only 300 men, only 300 men that drank the water with cupped hands. That's 300 out of 10,000. So out of the original 32,000, we are down to 300 men that Gideon has to go with him into battle. Now, if you're leading this attack, you might not be feeling real good at this moment, right? But listen to this, because 300, 300 committed to God, 300 men committed plus God are able to do more than they could imagine. 300 men committed plus God are able to do more than they could imagine. Let me ask you, as these 300 men are about to step out into battle, what do you think their dependence level on God is like in that moment? I'm going to suggest that it's extremely high, right? It's extremely high. As they go into the battle, they're they're, they're crying out to the Lord, Lord, if if you don't help us, we don't have a chance. Verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. This is a promise from God. God's reassuring them. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you victory. Verse 9. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, 
Purah. Gideon is obviously still afraid because the Lord wouldn't have said that to him, right? Listen, courage is not the absence of fear. It's making the choice to do what the Lord is asking us to do in spite of the fear, right? Gentlemen, we can't do it alone. We need God. And we'll see here from this passage that we need others. And that's why God provided pure for Gideon. And they set out and God miraculously allowed Gideon. This is crazy if you read the story that Gideon overheard. Listen, he overheard someone from the enemy sharing a dream that confirmed that the Israelites would be victorious. Crazy. And how does, how does Gideon respond? Verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he got down on his knees and he worshipped the Lord. In this moment, Gideon is so overcome with all that God has done, who God is, how graciously he has led him, how he's provided for him, how he's confirmed for Gideon over and over again. The Lord has said, Gideon, I am with you. I will lead you into victory. And Gideon's response is worship. Gentlemen, worship, when we come to worship on Sunday, it's not some optional extra that we add on to our service. It's, it's the only true response when we understand everything that God has done for us. When we understand His grace and mercy, even when we've been unfaithful, our response will be, Lord, <laughs> thank you. How could we not but worship you? And then in verse 17, Gideon gives instructions on how the 300 Israelites are going to have victory. <laughs> and he gives them a trumpet, a clay pot, and a torch. I mean, this is crazy stuff. No swords, no weapons. And then in verse 20, we read that the Israelites, oh, they blow their trumpets, they break their pots. And listen, all the Midianites, they start drawing swords on each other. They're so confused, they turn on each other. And we read in the Bible that 125,000 Midianites, they kill themselves. And in verse 24, we read that the Israelites experience an amazing victory. 300 men who demonstrated a commitment and courage, who trusted the Lord, and God brought victory over the Midianites. So why did God narrow the Israelites down to just 300 men? It showed them. He was showing these men that there's no other explanation for the victory other than God. He's the only one that could make it happen, right? Now, there are going to be plenty of times in our lives, listen, when the, when the odds are against us. It's overwhelming. This is an opportunity for us to trust and depend on the Lord. 
Perhaps as you sit here this morning, we've been going through the the story of Gideon, you're reminded of a situation that you're in right now. And listen, you're thinking, "My, my only hope, the only hope I have right now, I've tried this, I've tried that, my only hope is God. You may have a son or a daughter who's perhaps turned their back on the Lord and you've prayed for them over and over again and it seems like God's not listening. Perhaps you're struggling with a a temptation and it's a battle that the enemy seems to be winning and God will bring us to a point where we surrender and we say, okay, God, I can't do it. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to rely completely on you if there's going to be victory. And listen, gentlemen, when we get to that point of surrender and saying, Lord, you're the only one can do it, that's when God is going to do his greatest work in us. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you are with us. You're always with us. Lord, you want us to experience victory in our life. Lord, I pray that you would help every single one of us here in this room to just be so aware of any, anything that the enemy would be doing to try to distract us from walking obedient with you, with you Lord. Lord, help us to do exactly what you told uh, Gideon to do was to go and destroy those things. Make no room for being distracted. Lord, help us to be men that do that in our lives. Lord, not so that we would be lifted up, but that you would be glorified. Lord, I know that in a group this size and even those watching online, there are things where, where, where guys have things that just seem, oh, they just seem so big. The enemy seems so big, insurmountable. But Lord, we've been reminded you're a, you're a great God that loves us and cares us and wants to come alongside of us and give us victory. So Lord, as we go from here this morning, I pray that we will know that you go with us. And all God's men said, may it be so. Amen. God bless you all. Hey, thanks for coming this morning. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.